Happy Sabbath, everyone. Uh, good to see all of you guys. Uh, one really quick thing before we go on. One really unique thing about SDA theology is that we believe that the whole body is holistic. Okay? What that means is that there's other churches, there's other Christian churches that basically separate the physical and the spiritual. Okay? They basically say the body is one thing and the spirit is another thing. But SDA theology, we have a holistic model. The basic idea is that whatever we do physically, that can affect us spiritually. And whatever does, uh, affects us mentally, that could also affect us spiritually, and vice versa as well then. If we're spiritually not very healthy, that's going to affect our health as well, okay, physical health. And it's going to mess up our mental health as well. Does that make sense? So we believe that the body, not one of these are more important, all of these are equally important, but all of these we have to maintain all three health of these things, okay? So why am I talking about this? I'm talking about this because most of the time, starting in the new year, most of us make goals, okay? A lot of us make like physical goals, right? I want to become healthier. I want to exercise more. I want to watch what I eat, okay? Some of us, we make a lot of goals pertaining to our mental health. So we go, hey, uh, I talked to Joseph this week and Joseph was talking about how, hey, this year, I want to learn something new okay so that's like stimulating the intellect or some of us you get you guys go oh i want to have a better mental health as well okay so these all of these things are not negative things these are wonderful things things that we want to improve on things that we want to work on in 2023 but a lot of times we don't really focus on the spiritual or we don't think me just becoming healthy that's going to make my life better and yet we don't think about our spiritual health or our spiritual life so in 2023, we started off our series by talking about the armor of God. And the armor of God is going to help us to make sure that spiritually we are healthy as well. We're going to read the same passage that we read from last week, which is Ephesians chapter 6. But we're going to start going over the different parts of the armor now. Okay? So let's read it together. Finally, be strong in the, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So we talked about that. How Satan attacks us last week. We talked about he, uh, he attacks us through what? Temptations and accusations. And these are the two forms of lies he attacks us with. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So again... It's saying we need to put on this armor, not literal armor, spiritual armor of God. Why? Because we're not fighting against physical forces. We're fighting against spiritual forces. So again, are there physical forces that fight against us? Absolutely. But we also have to understand there's a spiritual force out there that's attacking us. So therefore, we need to be aware of these things, and therefore, we need to put on spiritual armor as well. Okay, so let's look at one of them. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Okay? So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. Now, we go to verse, uh, verse 14. Stand firm then. By the way, all of these, you, you see the word that he uses over and over again? What is it? It's stand firm. Stand firm. Be strong. Stand. Right. So he's basically saying, if you don't have this, what's going to happen? You're going to collapse. Okay? You're going to see some destruction. And it might, not be, it might be not immediate. It might be gradual. And that's what I think a lot of us, we start off like, yeah, everything's going to be okay. And yet, because we're not, we're getting attacked spiritually, 
we slowly but surely, we start to wane and get burnout and things like that, okay? So stand strong then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So today, we're going to go over what does it mean, a belt of truth? What, what does it mean? Why is this even important in our spiritual walk, okay? Now, it's really, really interesting that Paul starts off with a belt because if you think about it, belt, is it an offensive weapon? Okay, I mean, some people, I, mean, I guess they could whip it out and like start... I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's the best, but it's not supposed to be an offensive weapon. Is it a defensive weapon? Not really either, okay? So it's really interesting because this is talking about a battle scene, and yet the first thing that you should put on is not like an attack, like offensive, nor a defensive. Like for example, have you ever heard anybody say, hey, we lost, dude, we lost the war because we had bad belts. Okay, that's, that's, we got the worst belt in the world and that's why we lost the war. Or, hey, you know why we won the war? We had the best belt ever. And we had like spark, you know, sparkles all over it. That was great. That's what, exactly why we, no one says that, right? And yet, again, why is it that Paul actually talks about the belt? Okay, it's really, really interesting. Okay, so two things to consider. The first thing, if you actually think about it, belt is one of those things, even nowadays, right? We don't necessarily think about, but it is actually pretty important to us. Okay? It's kind of like underwear. I mean, no one talks about underwear, about winning war, like, oh, it's because I wore underwear that we won, or things like that. But in order to put on the armor or some kind of clothes, then what do you do? You put on underwear. And same thing with the belt as well. So it's one of those essential things that no one talks about, but it's still very important to us. Okay. But secondly, more importantly, okay, the reason why belt is really, really important, and some of us, we might not understand this that well, but we have to first understand what people wore 2,000 years ago. Okay, this is what they would wear. Okay, this is what every single one of us would wear 2,000 years ago. Whether you're a man or a woman, some of you guys go, oh, but this is a dress. Okay, I don't wear dresses. I wear pants, oh man, things like that. But again, all of us wore this, okay? But there was a time Okay, most of the time, people would just walk around like this. But there was a time when they would actually put on a belt. When would you have to put on a belt? When you're going out to work. Why? Because imagine working, work, trying to work, okay, and most of them were farmers, fishermen, right? Imagine trying to work with loose clothing. But what would happen? You can't seriously work, right? So what would you do? You would put a belt around to make sure that you were working, okay? So one of the expressions Paul is basically trying to use, we don't use this term, right? Or we don't use the term put on the belt, okay? But a term that we use is, hey, roll up your sleeves. That's an expression we use. And when do we use that? It's saying, hey, hey something serious is coming up, or hey, get ready to work, or get ready, right? And that's exactly what Paul is using here, okay? Yes, the belt in itself, it's not used to like attack or defend, but it gets you ready, okay? If you don't have the belt on, right? Again, trying to put on armor with this. Okay, if you're like this, without the belt. Can you imagine how difficult putting the, on the armor would be? Because you have all these loose clothing everywhere, and you have like clothing like sticking out and things like that. But first, you have to make sure that, hey, I'm ready for this. And then after that, you put on the rest of the armor. Does that make sense? So, Paul is saying, this piece of equipment is really the foundation. 
of everything. It is essential. Okay? So he's basically saying the belt. Now we understand belt, but now we go to the truth. He's going to say truth is the foundational piece to everything else. Okay, we're going to talk about, next week we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. But again, if you don't have the belt of truth, if you don't have truth as a centerpiece, everything is going to fall apart. Okay. So let's talk about this concept of truth. Most of you guys will say, oh yeah, truth, of course it is important. And most of you guys would say, if I ask you the definition of truth, you would say uh, something. And you would say, that's pretty easy. However, on the one hand, it seems like it's a very easy thing for everybody to understand this concept of truth. And yet, on the other hand, it's really, really difficult. What I mean by that is in, because in 2023, the culture of the society we live in, the word truth, if you throw it around, it's Uh, if, you, if you throw the word, uh, the truth around in a wrong way, it's actually fighting words. So for example, okay, I'll give you an example. And some of you guys are going to be like triggered, okay? Okay, ready? Because we, we become so sensitive to these things. Okay, for example, you go, I'm right, you're wrong. Hey, don't you know? Or, or this, I have the correct religion, but you don't. Okay? I have the truth, you don't. Okay, we don't, we don't, we don't use uh, these kind of words anymore. Why? Because we go, oh, that's offensive. Why? Because the underlining, underlining presupposition that the society continues to feed into us is that there is no absolute truth anymore. There is no absolutes anymore. If you want to believe that's truth, then you believe that. But if another one's person wants to believe in another truth, then you believe in that truth. Whatever is true for you is true. So therefore, you see in media, you go, even though biologically I'm a male, if I consider myself a female, who's going to tell me otherwise? Why? Because again, what is true for me, whatever I feel, is what I feel. And so therefore, that is truth. So again, I'm not criticizing anybody like that. I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is that's the reality of the world that we live in, is whatever is true for you. And that's why, again, if I go out there as a Christian and I go, Christianity is the truth, people get pissed off. They go, how dare you say that? Okay, they go, if you want to be Christian, be Christian. Just don't tell other people that that's the truth and that other people are false. Don't say things like that. Okay, why? Because, again, the underlining presupposition is, once again, there is no the big letter T truth. There is the lowercase truth, which is you believe whatever you want to believe about truth and you believe whatever you want to believe about truth. But don't tell other people about truth. Now, that's problematic, right? Because again, here it's saying you need the belt of truth. But if it's whatever truth for you, truth for me, then this belt is not going to work at all. Okay? So I'm going to really quickly, because I have a lot of things to talk about, I'm going to really quickly debunk this idea that uh, truth is absolute. Okay, I'm going to do it really quickly. I'm going to give you a philosophical reason, and second one, I'm going to give you a practical reason why we don't actually, even though we say these things whenever we feel comfortable to do it, we actually don't really believe in it. Okay, the first one, philosophical. 
So think about this statement. There is no absolute truth. Okay, so if that statement is correct, then that statement in itself is not correct. Okay, there is no absolute truth. Then well, what about that statement? Is that a true statement? Are you telling me a true statement? If it's a false statement about it, then what are you doing? Okay, so philosophically, that statement in itself doesn't work. So what I'm trying to say is every single thing we say, there's, we believe that there is truth. Even the statement in itself, there is no absolute truth is a true statement. Okay, so it doesn't work. It's stupidity. Okay, then I shouldn't even be listening to what you're saying. Okay, the second part is practically it just doesn't work. We don't operate like this. For example, if I, let's say uh, there's a red light and I, I, just, I just ignore it, I just ignore the red light and I just cross it and the police comes and police says, hey, what are you doing? You crossed the red light. You're gonna put people in danger. And I go, officer, that's what you believe. Okay, you believe what you wanna believe I'm gonna believe what I wanna believe. Officer, the, my, my truth is that that was green. Okay, does that work? No, absolutely not. Okay, we don't operate like this. Imagine if every single person operated that way. Then there will be no order, no organized, no friends, no society at all. Okay, does that make sense? No, we operate practically based on these things. Okay, whether we like it or not. I, I had a student a long time ago I was talking about this kind of like, there's truth and there's absolute truth. There is objective moral law. Some things are absolutely wrong and some things are absolutely right. And she was like, no, no, like you're absolutely wrong. You're absolutely wrong. So I asked her, where were you born? Okay, and she was like, I, I'm, I was born in Seoul. Okay, in Seoul in Korea. And I was like, okay, is that ever going to change? Okay, she couldn't say anything, right? Because she's like, because she kept saying, no, everything changes, everything, truth always changes. And she's like, oh, she's like, she thought of it, she's like, aha, okay. But the name Seoul, right, the city of the name Seoul, it might change. And I said, but does that mean where you were born changes? The place you were born changes. The name, yes, might change, but that still doesn't change the fact that you were born there, in that location, whatever you want to call it. Does that make sense? So again, this is very, very important that we understand even though we live in a society where continuous cells tell us you believe whatever you want to believe, it doesn't work. Philosophically, it doesn't work. And again, practically, we don't live as if everybody just has separate truth. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not gonna work. Okay, coming back. Now, um, truth is gonna be really, really important, okay? In Christian, specifically, I mean, in every religion, in every person, Okay? But specifically in Christianity, this concept of truth is very important. Um, one way to describe Christianity, uh, when somebody asked me, I said, Christianity is either, on the one hand, it's going to make your life wonderful. And yet, on the other hand, it's going to make your life miserable. Okay? If you understand what I mean by that, then you understand Christianity very well. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, then don't worry, I'll explain. Uh, there's a verse... And um, I'm going to skip this. Uh, there's a verse in Isaiah and talks about this. It talks about Jesus, okay? It's a messianic prophecy. And it says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And the great light is talking about Jesus, okay? On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So it's describing human beings as people who are living in pure darkness, okay? By the way, there's a movie uh, and a book uh, out there. It's called The City of Ember. Any of you guys watched it before? Oh, you guys, you watched it? Okay, 
Yeah, you, you reread it. Okay, good. Um, uh, first book is, but, but second, third book, terrible. Okay, I stopped reading it. Okay, anyways, so, but it's basically describing these people. It's like, it's like apocalyptic, like, like days later when like the sun fails or things like that. It's apocalyptic. So what these people did was basically um, they decided to uh, create a city. They can't live above the ground anymore. So they actually built like a, like a cave, basically. And they live underground. Okay, so it's like pure darkness. And they have to generate light through like, you know, electricity. But it's like people hate it there. Okay, so it's this kind of uh, very similar case, scenario, right? And again, it's describing these people all walking in darkness. Now, there's going to be two types of people when light comes. Okay? There's going to be type of people, if you absolutely hate darkness, you're like, I can't see stuff. I can't see myself clearly. This is terrible. I want the light. So if a great light comes, then for you, that's great, great news. You're going to be very happy that there's actually light. But there's also people who actually absolutely love darkness. Why? Because they can hide. Okay? No one knows what they're doing. Or some people, they don't want to know about them. They don't want to see themselves. And so rather, it's easier to be in darkness. It makes them feel comforted. Not knowing. Or it makes them feel comforted not being known by other people. So imagine, for people like that, a great light comes. Then what happens? These people are going to be like, get away from me. Get away from me. I don't want this light. And if you understand this concept of all of us are living in this darkness and a great light comes, then you're going to understand why people reacted to Jesus the way they did. Okay? Does that make sense? There were people, like the, the sinners, right? These are the text collectors. These are the prostitutes. They know they messed up. They know they're, they're not perfect. They know they want, but they, don't, they can't get out. They need a savior. And Jesus comes as the great light, they're like, hallelujah. These people are like um, crying their eyeballs out and like wiping Jesus' feet with their hair. Yeah, that's how happy they are. Because they're so desperate. They're in this darkness and a light has come. And they're, they're doing anything they can to hold on to this light. But there was another sector, uh, section of people. These were the religious people. These were the Pharisees. Okay, these are the hypocrites. And they absolutely hated the light. They absolutely hated Jesus. Why? Because a lot of them, they don't want to be exposed. A lot of them, they had a lot of secrets. On the outside, they were like, yes, I'm a very religious man. But they had their, all their secret lives. Right? They had greed. And they had lust. And all of these things. That, and they didn't want Jesus to expose them of these things. And so therefore, they said, no. This light, I don't want any of that. So does that make sense? Truth will either make you very, very happy, or truth will make you terribly, terribly uncomfortable. But nothing in the middle. Nothing in the middle. So I want to ask you guys, if you feel like you're in the darkness and you feel like there's no light and there's no hope, when you hear about this great light, Jesus, does that, does that give you hope? Does that make you go, oh, I want to grab onto this thing? Or on the other hand, you're like, I really don't like this Jesus. He makes me feel really, really uncomfortable. Okay? He disturbed me. Is that, is that you? Okay? If you guys are not saying yes, if you're saying yes to these, both, any of these two things, then that's a good news for you because you're actually seeing Jesus for who he is. 
But if you're somewhere in the middle, he doesn't disturb you, he doesn't make you happy, it's kind of like, oh, whatever. Oh, then you got some issues because you're not seeing Jesus for who he really is. Okay, so again, people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the light, a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And this is what Jesus represents as the truth. Now, okay, this is really cool. I'm gonna, I talk about two different things and I'm gonna fuse them together, okay? So, this is really, I think a lot of us, we're not really experiencing these two things and a lot of us are kind of like in this middle, like, yeah, I guess Jesus is kind of cool, but he doesn't really excite me that much. But on the other hand, like, oh, I don't think Jesus is really like pushing me that much. Okay, this is the reason why. This is the reason why, okay? The reason why is because, again, I told you guys, we live in a culture where we say, whatever you want to believe, you believe. Whatever I want to believe, I believe. So who is the light? Is Jesus the light? No. Who's the light? I am. I am the light. I am the ultimate judge. I judge what is good or what is bad. So do you know what a lot of us do? A lot of us, what we do, when we read the Bible or read, even listen to a sermon, do you know what we do? We don't go, this is the truth and I need to receive it. So what I'm saying is, we don't let the truth read us. Instead, we criticize the truth in itself. Because why? We believe that we ourselves are the truth. Okay, so this is what we do a lot of times. So we read a book and we go, whoa, I don't, I don't really like this. Jesus, I don't like how you're doing that. Or, oh, oh no, no gay stuff, like homo, homophobic? Oh, that's homophobic. Oh, definitely wrong. Okay, or, oh, sexual restriction on certain, oh, no, 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 no. No, I want to be sexually liberated. Okay, I want to do whatever I wanted to do sexually. I get to decide. Again, I am the light. I get to decide what is true or not. So I, when I read the Bible, then I decide what is true for me and what is not true for me. So therefore, I decide what God is and what God isn't. I go, bad God, bad God, don't act like that. Okay? You don't get to decide. Don't you understand, Jesus, in 2023? That's really negative. You shouldn't say those kind of things. So what do we do? We make our own conception of who God is. It's a buffet of God. Oh, this part of God I really like, and this part of God I really don't like. I'll throw that out. And so therefore, we have a God that's right in the middle. He doesn't disturb us. And yet, he's not really the light because I am the light. So he doesn't excite us anymore. Nor does he disturb us because I am the truth. I know what is right. I get to decide. Does that make sense? But instead, the Bible continues to tell us that there is absolute truth and that he is God. And that we don't get to decide what is true or false for us. And that's exactly what we saw in the, um, by the way, if you look back in Genesis 3, that was what it was, everything was all about, right? Genesis 3, God says, eat this and don't eat this. But Satan comes and says, hey, you get to, you get to become God instead. You get to define what is good and what is bad for yourself. So that lie has been just perpetuated continually even to us in 2023. You decide truth for yourself. And again, but that's why we got a whole bunch of issues. But instead, uh, going back to our verse, it tells us we need to put on the belt of truth. That is what's going to sustain us. Not conforming God to our truth, 
but being conformed to God's truth instead. Hmm? Very important. So don't just read the Bible, have the Bible read you instead. So instead of uh, wiping out some of the Bible verse and ripping it out, have God rip out what is good and what is not good for you in your life. Does that make sense? That needs to be the standard. Then we're going to see that there's going to be differences in our life. Have God tell you, hey, these are not good things for you. Rip it out of your life. Okay, again, this is what Christianity, what it means to surrender. What it means to come to God and say, God, you are God. You are the light. You are the truth. And that's what really it means to have the belt of truth. Okay, now, to go back to what we were talking about, this is very important because last week we talked about how Satan's main tool is not putting fang marks in our hearts, but what? To leave lies in our hearts. And so now you see why it is important to have the truth, yeah? Because uh, Satan's main uh, arsenal of weapon, uh, weapon is to continue to attack us with lies. So therefore, the best thing is to throw it back with truth, yes? Okay, now I'm going to give you an example of this. Um, do not be anxious about anything. This is a very, very famous passage. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So the basic idea is there's anxiety. Okay, there's anxiety. But it says, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, so the lie, there's different reasons why we are anxious. Okay, for some of us, I'll give you, uh, I wrote down three examples, but I can't, I don't know if I could think of all three right now. Okay, so the first example is for some of us, uh, we, ha we, we enjoy having sense of control. Okay, we like to think that we have control. So therefore, when we don't have control, or when things are uncertain, or when things go, don't go your plan, then what happens? Worry happens, anxiety happens, worry happens. Okay? For some of us, we go, there's all, for every single one of us, there's certain things that we want. Certain things that we go, if I have this perfect relationship, if I have this perfect girl or perfect guy, then I'll be happy. Or if I have enough money, I'll be happy. Or if I have this car, or if I go on this adventure, I'll be happy. But when does anxiety or worry comes? When you don't have those things. Yeah. Fear comes, worry comes, anxiety comes. Because you keep striving after these things, but you're not, you, you don't feel like you're getting a grasp of them. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, now. But th th some, of the, th some of the lies that uh, Satan will tell you is like this. For those of you who, you know, you have this sense of control, it's like, hey, you're never going to be in control. Okay? You're never going to have control over your life. You're going to spin out of control. Okay, everything that you plan, it failed before, so it's going to continue to fail again. It's accusations, right? Or some, for some of you guys, that's the lie. The lie is, hey, this girl is going to make you real, real happy. You don't need God. You need a girl. Okay, you don't need God. You need money. That's, when a, that's what's going to give you real happiness. So that's the lie. There's lies within us. And so lies, different. and I just gave you two, but there's a lot of different types of lies that we believe in that causes our anxiousness, our fear, our worries. And I'm not trying to say every single one of it is that. There might be, again, physical reasons. There might be some mental reasons, okay? But th some of their spiritual reasons as well of why we fear. It's really interesting. Now, 
of course, it does tell us that we need to defeat, the, defeat worry, anxiety, worry, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, all these things, okay? But we normally think it's like a magic formula. Okay, I go, Jesus, get rid of fear for me, or get rid of worry for me. And we go, ta-da! It's all of a sudden, it's gone. But again, it doesn't work like that. It's not a magic formula because it talks about this because it continues on, right? Because it says, you will guard your heart and your mind. How do we actually do this? Okay, it continues on, and this is very important. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, what does it say? Think about such things. It's saying, focus on the truth. Okay, the reason why you continue to believe in these lies, okay, the reason why you are so anxious is because you continue to think about these false things in your mind. And Paul actually says, as you are praying, as you are giving thanksgiving, you actually need to start thinking about truth. Truth. Okay, so some of you guys, you guys are anxious because you guys go, I don't have a girlfriend or I don't have a wife. And the truth is, yeah, it would be great if you had a girlfriend or a wife or a husband. Yeah, it would be great if you had a partner. Yet, you have to understand, that's not what's going to make you ultimately fulfilled. Okay? Again, Adam and Eve, their problem was not that they were single. That's not what they, why they sinned. Okay? The reason why is because they believed in a lie. It's not enough. And so they needed more. They needed this and they needed that. Again, you need to continue to hold on to this truth. No. All of these things are good things. And yet, these things are not going to satisfy the deepest desires of my heart. Only God will. So you need to continue to hold on to this truth. Hold on to this truth. And that's going to defeat the lies that you believe in. And because of that, the, the lies will go away. Then you're going to feel less anxious. You're going to be less worried. Why? Because you are holding on to God's truth. Whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure. So Christianity is not a magical religion. Okay? It's not a bunch of like, you pray five times about not being worried and ta-da, all of a sudden, like magically it's going to disappear. But it's a thinking religion. Do you understand that? It's a thinking religion. And that's why meditating, praying, reflecting, all of these things are important, again, not because you're going to be saved, but because you have to continually do these things to fight against Satan's attack. This is what belt of truth really means. I'm going to finish off uh, by talking about uh, the ultimate truth. Okay, again, the light of the world. Okay, this is really important because if you think about it, when Jesus was dying on the cross, when he died, it was really interesting. Luke actually describes that when Jesus died, there was an eclipse. Do you guys know that? As in, everything just went dark. So it's really interesting. Because in Isaiah, it talked about how a great light has come for the people of darkness. But yet, at the end of this light's life, the great light, he becomes totally darkened. Do you see that? Do you see that? He experiences the deepest darkness that everybody has gone through. Do you know how dark it was? It was so dark that before Jesus actually died, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay. So we have to understand the, 
the light, there's a cost. There's a cost for Jesus to come down and give us this great light. That is that he gave us this light and the great light has been taken away from him and he dies instead for us. So we have to understand the cost of this light. And yet, on the other hand, yet on the other hand, it tells us, it gives us the truth of how much God loves us as well. That he's willing to come this far just for us. Just for each and every one of us. So, on this side, where you're like, yes, I've been waiting for the line. Yes, that's great. And yet, you have to understand, there was a cost for Jesus to come down. On the other side, you go, oh, God is so disturbing. I don't, I, I'm so scared, God. I'm so scared of this light. Because I'm scared. When, you're, when you expose me to the light, you're going to see all my faults. And you're going to see all my sins. And I, my fear is that you're going to abandon me. And yet Jesus says, no, I came knowing everything, seeing everything, and yet I still accept you. And these two things we need to hold on to, both of these things. All of us, every single one of us in here, in this room, including myself, there's lies in our hearts. There's lies in our minds. And Satan will continue to attack us until he gets us. The only way for us this week, today, for us to fight is to hold on to God's truth. He is the great light of the world who came for us and who will not just expose us, but embrace us 